Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, where our mission is to provide woodworking education for all levels and all types of woodworkers. To find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, visit us on the web at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or follow us on Twitter at NWA underscore national. Now to our host, Tom Iovino, Diami Palatki, and yours truly, Chris Adkins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 38th edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. I'm your host, Tom Iovino, and joining me today also are your hosts, Diami Palatki and Chris Atkins. Hey, guys, how you doing? Hi, Tom. Hey, uh, we got, we got a little bit of a shorter show today. Um, we, we had a guest, but you know, through the vagaries of digital media, we, uh, we, we lost a guest. So we're going to bring our guest in for the next edition, but we still wanted to put something to air. So, um, uh, so guys, we're here. It's the three of us tonight. It's just us, man. But you know, it's nothing, the pain. but it's, but it's not just us. It's everybody in the MWA as well listening. It's the whole MWA. We've got the membership here. So why don't we just get started? And hey, let's talk, since we're talking about stuff, um, what's in the shop? Chris, what are, what are you working on now? Um, I have, I've, I've actually got to spend a little bit of time in the shop. I, um, I had, one of the things is my, my table saw, uh, which is one of the, the Unisaw, um, I've always had just a router mounted up underneath the end feed on it and, and used the, uh, the unifence as the, the fence for the router. And it's never worked that great just because the, the, the router is difficult to adjust. It's difficult to take off. So, um, so I decided that, um, that I was going to pick up one of the Craig router, uh, plate inserts mm-hmm. and, uh, did it worked great. Um, I actually did a little video on, on me actually installing it, but I, uh, I haven't released it because I've had some computer issues. So, uh, I've been without a computer for a week now and lost almost everything. What, what does somebody do in 2013 without a computer? Uh, you, you kind of panic. So, <laughs> uh, I tell you what it did teach me is it taught me to make sure I double, triple back up everything. So, um, so anyway, I've got the computer back. Uh, that was kind of our, our, even, even recording this, it took us a little longer tonight to get recorded than, than normal. Uh, but I've got it back up and going. So I still have the video for that. So I'm going to be releasing that, uh, shortly so we can, you know, anybody can take a look at that. Um, but now do you, you put that insert into your table saw outfeed wing or did you build a router table? No, I still use the outfeed. Um, I just, I, I thought about building another table, but for for what I usually do, it it works great just having it in, in the outfeed table because I'm still able to use the fence like that. So I can use the unifence. I just pick it up, move it on the other side, lock it down. You know, put a piece of dead wood in there for for sacrificial wood, and uh, it works great. So so I like doing it that way. Hey, and, it works for you. Yeah. yeah, and then the the second thing that that I've been working on is. Um, one of the reasons I did all that was just because I, I needed something a little more secure um, for the, I was doing the, the Infinity, uh, their lock miter uh, bit, and I really needed mm-hmm. something that I could adjust the, um, that I could adjust the router on pretty quick, pretty easily, because one of the things that the lock miter bits are known for is just a heck of a lot of adjustments in it. Oh, uh, yes, they are known for that. Yes. Well, so on top of that, um, I had picked up Infinity makes the, uh, the Infinity, uh, lock miter master jig. And I was a little doubtful. I wasn't sure if it was going to work. I was kind of dreading actually putting this whole, um, this using this, this bit just because everybody talks about how, how rough it is. So, um, 
so I did get one of the master jigs, um, put it, you know, put it to use. It's, it's basically got a couple of tick marks that you, you, you set it on the side of the bit, you push it up, it kind of locks into place. You hold a board up there with the center lined on one way, you turn it vertical and horizontal, line it up. It, it's a pretty simple process. I did a video on that and posted it on YouTube. Um, and it, and you can go to High Rock's um, YouTube page and, and find that. It'll be linked in the show notes too. Yeah. And it, it really worked fantastic. I, I couldn't believe it. The first time I used it, it was almost a perfect cut. I mean, the 45 on the corner of that was just absolutely perfect first time. So I was so amazed that, that that's when I actually went back and recorded the second one, uh, just to see if I could recreate it. And, and even the second time it was, it was great. So, uh, definitely you know, if I mean, you're going to use that, I highly recommend it. You know, Chris, it's, it's, it's one of those joints where you see, you know, it's, you go to a woodworking show and there's usually somebody from one of the manufacturers who's got one and they're like snake oil salesmen. It's like, oh yeah, come on over. You could use this and they have that router table set up perfectly. Right. So they just zip through the joints and they put them together. This is perfect for your shop and you bring it back to your shop and you want to throw <laughs> that thing into the backyard like, like eight hours later. You, you've had enough. So if I'm pretty thing, sure I threw my out. Yeah. So if you get to the point where you're actually using this and it and it works well, I mean, then that that's a big deal. It's it's a great um it's a great little joint, you know, especially for I actually had a specific project that I had this in mind for, and it was um basically I'm I've I've got and I've had this project, and I'm sure I probably talked about this a year ago, but basically it's building an urn, and I had the metal box on the inside uh, fabricated by a uh, steel fabricator that good friend of mine. And so we've got this really cool box and I wanted zebra wood on the outside. Well, because of the zebra wood, it's so linear and there's so many lines in it. I just couldn't do anything with the outside of it. If, if I had any, you know, square, any joints in it, dovetails, you know, whatever, splines, anything, it would just show and it just wouldn't look right. So I needed those tight miters, but I wanted it to be strong. So, um, so lock miter was a pretty good option for that. But man, I got to tell you, I really dreaded just trying to sit there and, and finagle on that router up and down. So, uh, so I was pretty pleased that this worked out. That's, I mean, That's you great. know, if you can get that, if you can get the bit to work and it puts together a good joint, then you're, you're golden. You're in, and if that, if that jig, uh, works well, and I believe it or not, I've got one. I still have to get around to actually trying it out. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a big helper in the shop because if you could set that joint up in a few minutes and get it working and not lose 12, 15, 18 hours in the shop trying to set it up. Well, one thing um, that's, that's a big plus. It is. And, and one thing that's different, uh, I will say, and I, I know that a lot of these will come up with some setup blocks. Uh, one thing that's different about this jig is the jig is based on center line. So it's not based off of a certain thickness. A lot of those have just basically a block that's a certain thickness and you use that block. But basically the wood's got to be exactly the thickness of that block or it doesn't work out. Definitely, definitely something to have in the, uh, in the, uh, in your repertoire there. You want to definitely have a, another joint that's a good one to consider. Yep. Tiami, what do you, what do you have going on in your shop? Well, it's been a couple of weeks since the last time we sat down and did this and I've gotten, had a, had a lot go on in the shop. Um, I managed to make some quick clamp racks that I'm actually really pleased with. I had, if anyone's seen the last shop tour I did, I think the pile of clamps was sitting in the corner. And, um, that's the way to clamps. It, it, it really is. I was able to get all my, all my parallel clamps up off the floor onto the wall. And I used to have these metal racks from woodpeckers, which were phenomenal, except they stored the clamps side to side, only one clamp deep, and they took up far too much wall space. Um, so now I built 
clamps that hold them, depending on the size of the clamp head, because I have a couple different brands of clamps, it's either six or seven clamps deep, which only translates to about a little less than 13 inches. It's 12 and three quarter inches with the, okay. with the plywood backing. Um, so it doesn't stick off the wall all that much, and it just holds a lot of clamps. So now the way I have them arranged in a tight corner, um, I managed to get all my clamps up and on the wall and out of the way, or at least all my parallel clamps. And, um, and they were all really quick to build. It's a simple, simple groove cut in the bottom of a piece of five quarter pine I had, and then a couple pocket screws and a combination OSB plywood and pine. It was just material I had laying around. Um, and they went together really nice. So I'm glad, I'm happy to get the, the clamps off the floor. Uh, that was one thing I got done in the shop. Yeah, that, that, that is a lot of weight though. It is a lot of weight. Well, what I've done is the, um, the five quarter pine is five quarter by six pine. That's the horizontal piece. And there is a, I guess there's about a half inch dado run through the bottom. I, I did that on a table saw and it's, I just eyeballed it on center. It doesn't, didn't need to be all that perfect. So that okay. runs down the center and I've got a piece of half inch Baltic birch plywood in some cases shaped in just a triangle in other, in other cases actually with a, a shallow curve sawed into it when I was feeling fancy because I actually made three of these wrecks. Um, <laughs> but so that, that, uh, that, Half-inch plywood fits up into that dado and is glued in. Actually, with the Nexabond glue, we got a fine woodworking live, and okay. it's I so far I really like that glue. It's a, it's a really quick drying, non-moisture based glue. And um and then at the bottom of these these triangles, I put a couple pocket screws. And on the back of the five quarter, I got a couple pocket screws. So then that assembly, after it was glued together, got set on an, a three-quarter inch OSB backing. And then there's two pocket screws that hold the, the plywood gusset on. Sure. And I think, I think four or five pocket screws that hold the five quarter on. So as long as the pocket screws on the top don't tear out, then the, the five quarter, the plywood rather should hold the five quarter up. Cause while it is a fair amount of weight, all things being equal, I think it's pretty well attached. And I've actually years ago, I read an article about OSB talking about sheathing for houses and while osb has a, is a mixed bag versus plywood on some applications one of the strengths of osb is its fastener holding and okay. it actually holds screws better mm-hmm. than most plywoods okay um, at least at least cdx plywood i don't know about you know cabinet grade plywood so the trick of deriving pocket screws is set the torque on your screw gun and don't overdrive them and strip things out right. so as long as you, you set the screws in properly so far, I mean, I'll admit, I was a little nervous when I loaded the first one up and had all these clamps hanging there. I kind of gently backed away. And after that didn't fall down over the first night, I made two more. And now they're weeks old. And they're still there. And seem as, as good as that I put them up. So um, I'm thinking the design worked pretty well. And it was, yeah, it was really quick and, and fast to make. Um, so that was the first rack I made. Then now I'm in the middle of lumber racks and I've moved all my lumber out of a pre-made rack that was on one wall and into other pre-made racks on the other side. And, uh, Tom Uranus. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, let me say out of frustration, I bought Carter guides for my bandsaw, which I've not installed yet, but, um, I had that and the big milestone, which I didn't have done when we first recorded this episode, but it is done now is the tree house is functionally complete. And by functionally complete, I mean that little kids can go up there and play and not get hurt. Um, since the last episode, I have installed the decking on the deck. I've installed a guardrail on the deck, and I've built and installed a ladder. Um, so and that, that, and that makes it functionally complete. Exactly, exactly. It still needs paint and trim and a permanent roof and touch up on the railing and lots of other things. It's going to take me most of next summer to bring it to 100% complete. But based on the projects I've lined up, I am pretty sure 
I'm done working on it for this year just because I have other things I need to do, and then it'll be too cold. I saw some pictures. Um, it looked looked really good. You know, you should uh, post a picture of it in the show notes. Um, it, it I, looks, I definitely will. I'm, I'm, I was looking through them now, and all the pictures I have are from my son's birthday party, which was a superhero and princess party. So I have all these girls, little girls in fancy dresses and boys in capes climbing up the ladder. I thought you were going to say that you had a picture of you in it in a princess outfit. <laughs> that would have been cool. <laughs> you know, I should have, I would have worn a princess outfit to the party just to get that picture if I thought about it. That would, that would have worked. <laughs> so anyway, that's the uh, that's what's going on in my shop. Okay. Well, over over here, I'm actually making some tremendous progress on a project that um, a friend of mine out in Yuma, Arizona. Um, wanted for his daughter. She's a uh, swimmer, and swimmers won a lot of medals and a lot of ribbons. Um, so rather than build a trophy case, it's what I initially envisioned. Um, we're building this ribbon-slash-metal holder. It's kind of a rack that has uh, some cross dowels for everything to hang from. And over the weekend, I uh, I was able to actually route out her name um, with a trim router. So I was using a, a, a blown-up font uh, that I had printed off my computer, went down to the local copy shop and had it printed up on a wide uh, format. And um, and using that as a guide, I was able to go through with my eighth-inch router bit and uh, and make things happen. It was it was it was kind of a fun fun little project. I had the uh, NFL games on the first week of football season, and I uh, was able to listen to some of the games while I was doing that. So it kept me occupied. It kept me off the streets and out of the pool halls. And um, it, this weekend coming up, my plan is to get it uh, finished. And then uh, shipped out because uh, the young lady's birthday that this is uh, intended for is uh, the end of the month. I think it's the 25th or 26th. So that gives me enough time to get the finish on, get everything cured, then get it packed up and shipped out. So it should Always work nice out pretty well. Now, now, how are you yeah, doing this? Well, I know you've, you've done, you've talked about some of the blanket chests. Are you doing this a similar way that it's, you know, to where, you, you know, like you said, you can just pack the whole thing up? What kind of, you know, how did you go about doing that to where you can kind of break it down like that? Oh, this isn't being broken down. This is actually being oh, so really, it is. Uh, assembled. Yeah. Okay. What's going to happen is, you know, down, down at, I think it's the UPS store. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, I could pay them to pack it. And you'll oh, pack that thing. Cool. They'll, they'll wrap that thing up to like, you wouldn't, you could drop it out of an airplane and it won't break. What size is it? It's, it's 30 inches wide by, uh, uh, by 36 inches tall. Okay. So it's going to take a pretty penny to ship it. It's, it's yeah. going to be pretty large. But, you know, again, it's it's the kind of thing where, you know, the client wanted it big because she's a very good swimmer and has a lot of medals. So, uh, you know, if it's going to fit the medals, it's got to be the right size. So, uh, Tom, about the name, I saw the picture of the, the name you carved into it, and that looks great. I, I'm going to say carved, even though you routed it. Yeah, um, right at, yeah. and did over- you you used an eighth inch, was that the upcut spiral bit? Yeah, it was an upcut spiral bit. It's in a, that little DeWalt, right? In my little, in my little trim DeWalt router. I and, do um, that. It's a fantastic way to route. I route that way all the time. But my real question is, did you do it by eye or did you? It was, it was freehand. What I did was I printed out the, um, I went on my computer and found some fonts and I sent, uh, my friend Kevin a, a, um, a selection to pick from. And he and his wife sat down and looked at it. They picked one that kind of looked like handwriting. So what I did was I blew it up to, I think it was 500 points or whatever it was. And then I made a PDF of it. I went down to the local copy shop and they had a large format printer. They were able to spit that out. And then just using some uh, spray adhesive, I was able to put it on the board. And then using that outline, I was able to route out the outline of it. Now, her name is Sydney with a D and an E in it. And those have the interior parts, the E and the D. Um, so what I had to do is I had to cut out the interior parts first and take that piece out and then cut the rest of the uh, rest of the letter out and then glue that down. When I glued everything down, I had to glue those interior pieces in back in place so it does look like a D and an E. 
and it came and it was able to grain match. I was able to get everything to line up perfectly. So just by drawing some reference marks and being able to take that out and put that back, it worked out very well. That's great. Now, now did you find, uh, you know, one thing that I've always just been, I, I've honestly never really tried to freehand with a router like that because I've just always been afraid that, you know, I've always been concerned with it just kind of jumping and wanting to kind of run away. So every time I've ever thought about using it, uh, I've been hesitant and just don't do it because okay. I'm already in the middle of the project. Did you have any issue with that? I was terrified of that first, but I, I had a couple things going for me. First of all, the piece of wood I was routing through was only a quarter of an inch thick. Okay. So it wasn't like it was, I'm going into three quarter inch wood. Right. The other thing was I was using that trim router. Now the trim router has got some, you know, it spins a bit very fast, but it doesn't have a tremendous amount of torque. So, uh, I was able to, you know, control it with, with a solid grip. And the other okay. thing is I was using an eighth inch bit. So it wasn't like it was removing a lot of material at one right. time. Um, and, and also that it was a very maneuverable and, and, and uh, controllable router. And the, uh, and the other thing was I was, it has the LED inside and I also got some magnifying, uh, magnifying visor. So I was able to go in there and was able to, to uh, put all that stuff together and it really worked out well. I mean, it was a nice quality upcut carbide bit and, um, it, it just worked like a champ. Um, I was able to get everything routed out. I did it on a, on top of a piece of plywood so I wouldn't scar my workbench and it, and it worked out very well. Right. It was, it was, it was, it was really great. good. And, um, you know, that's not the only thing I'm doing here, uh, actually, over at Tom's workbench. Um, and I posted about that. But also, um, the other thing I'm doing is I'm starting a new program um, for, for the holiday season. Everybody knows that in the beginning of February, I always have Get Woodworking Week. And that's kind of encouraging people to get out and do things. But the other thing I'm doing is this year I'm doing this thing called the uh, Last Minute Elf. And this is really designed for people like me, people who procrastinate. Um, what will happen is, you know, every year I have this brilliant idea that I'm going to build something for people. As a, as a gift during the holidays. And it's always something big and fascinating and just, just, it's going to be complicated and involved and usually get started, try to get started on it like the second week of December, a little too late. So That's what I'm right. doing is this thing, what I'm doing is this thing called the last minute elf where basically I'm, I'm getting everybody involved again, going online to the woodworking community and to come up with some ideas for simple projects or, uh, shortcuts or, uh, simple recipe, uh, finish recipes. That will, that will cure very quickly. So when you're in that, you know, the first week of December this year coming up, the first of the seventh, um, when you're sitting there thinking, oh gosh, it is December already. Thanksgiving's passed and we're into the holiday season. Um, basically some stuff you can use to, uh, to build some last minute projects. Um, that will be really cool for people. Um, kind of not a lot of use, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of material, um, simple construction techniques. Really interesting little projects that you can use, and it just it just works really well. So, Tom, shouldn't we procrastinate and wait till the last minute to release all this? Uh, you know, I thought of that. I thought it was kind of ironic that I'm putting last minute elf postings up on my site in September. But um, you know, when I put the first one up, I think it was September first, and now it's already September 11th, the night we're recording this. So, ten days have already gone by. So, if I don't at least you know try to get people aware of what's going on, we're we're going to miss the boats. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? It, it's actually it's perfect because it goes ahead and sets up the, uh, you know, it goes ahead and sets the tone to go ahead and make sure that that stuff is available, so that everybody can go, oh yeah, that's that's cool. And then when they wait till the last minute, all the information's already there for them. It's right there. It's already compiled for them. The other thing is, uh, I've gotten a lot of help from the from the big woodworking magazines. Fine woodworking, popular woodworking, and wood have all come on board and said they're going to help with the effort. Right. Just like they did with Get Woodworking Week. So, but if, in order for things to hit the uh, hit the issues, to hit uh -huh. the magazines, we're going to have to plan this well in advance. So, 
I wanted to make sure everybody was aware of what we were doing in advance. And I think we had the, I had the initial idea last Christmas season, um, to, to start this. And I kind of pitched the idea around and people liked it. So, um, so now we're in September. We're actually starting to move on it, which, you know, it'll be cool because then that last minute rolls around. By golly, hopefully everybody will be ready to go. Well, you know, one of the great things about something like this, too, is just it, it, it's kind of like doing the whole thing with uh, Get Woodworking Week and, you know, uh, Mark uh, Spagnola with the, the Wood Whisperer does uh, the, the Woodworker Safety, Safety Week. Week. And, you know, it just really brings a lot of resources together. And, and it's, a, it's, it's a good way to get a lot of participation from, from a lot of different, uh, you know, sources and, and information. So it, it kind of brings everybody together for a period of time and, and helps uh, bring some camaraderie. And uh, I think it's a, it's a pretty, cool, uh, pretty cool thing. You know, another fun, another fun thing about it is for the past, you know, I don't know, five, six, seven years, there have been a lot of people writing about these last-minute projects they built and simple projects. Right. And there's all these posts that are, you know, two, three, four years old from holiday seasons past that um that are that are gold. Um, you know, it, it's a chance to go back into the archives of some people's uh, uh blogs and some magazines and and to find these projects to to really get uh people on board to kind of like, you know, oh yeah, by the way, we did this a few years ago and this is how successful it was. You know, it's so the idea is to 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 bring these things back to the forefront, to um to have people, you know, know that they're out there and to really make stuff happen. You know, and I, I think, you know, we all pull together. We all, we all kind of, you know, take a week to, to help each other out. I think, I think it'll help out. I'd be interested in having a gallery, I think, after the holiday season of some of the things that people have built and, um, you know, kind of popping that up and saying, you know, here's, here's some of the successes we had. And, you know, maybe we'll get a little, we get a little support. Maybe, uh, maybe we could sweeten the pot. Some people would participate. Maybe we get some, uh, some giveaways or something like that. That'd be nice too. So, um, you know, maybe some gifts to the woodworkers who are working mm-hmm. so hard trying to build those last minute gifts. So. You know, with any luck, hey, cross your fingers, you know. No, it's a great <laughs> idea. I love it. I think it's going to be great. Good. So, hey, if you want to participate, we've got a, we've got a uh, Facebook page out there. It's uh, facebook.com slash last minute elf. And, um, we're also going to work on a Google plus page and, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to be tweeting about it at the hashtag last minute elf too. So, um, so, you know, if you're on the social media out there, you know, please be sure to check in. Just, you know, if you see anything that looks like you want to you want to post it or you find a crazy idea or something like that, just just be sure to list it so we can find it and we can we can post to it and draw some attention. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, definitely. I, I like the way that works. And yep. speaking about plans, um, the MWA has been going on for now almost two years, haven't we? Um, yeah, they're actually just seems I like think, forever. I think <laughs> I think just slightly over, but somewhere around there. And, you know, some days it feels like it's been, like like Diaby says, an eternity. Uh, <laughs> other days it feels just like a few minutes. Um, but what's happening is we're, um, you know, at the mobile, uh, at the mobile. We're <laughs> at the mobile. At the, oh, at the, we're at the mobile, the modern workers association. Um, you know, we, we, we had this chance at the, uh, at, you guys had the chance at the Fine Woodworking Live event to um, to use some equipment borrowed from Fine Woodworking and Mark Speck, the Wood Whisperer. Um, we've, we've, the three of us have come to a realization that we really need to improve the quality of our recording equipment so we can bring back full episodes uh, from some of these events and also online. Um, yeah, I think, and that's especially true when you talk about bringing back from live events, Tom, because, right. um, uh-huh. we ran around Woodwork in America last year with a little recorder and the content I think was great talking to a lot of woodworking professionals, getting the five questions answers. 
answered, but the audio quality of those recordings was atrocious. And you know that's and, the, that's the, that's one of the knocks we've had on our on our uh, on our stuff we have at iTunes. Um, and I know people are reluctant to give us a good rating because well the quality of the sound isn't exactly what they want. And um, we, there, there's only one way to to fix that. And the only way to fix that is to get better equipment. Right. And um, you know that that's why we're turning to our Modern Workers Association supporters, you guys out there in the field. We're looking to get we're looking to get some equipment. Yeah. While the the needed equipment that we we want or uh, we think we need isn't too expensive, it's not all that cheap either. And since we paid almost every cost associated with the MWA and the production of the podcast out of pocket so far, we're hoping that you guys, our, our listeners and members, will help out with donations for the recording equipment we're looking to pick up. And if you can go to the Modern Woodworkers Association uh, dot com, uh, there's a donate button in the upper right hand side. Um, you know, and all we ask is that you uh, give what you can. You know, we uh, we'll thank you on air, and and we'll uh, make sure that that everything that you give uh, goes towards uh, making the show better. Because you know that's what it's really all about. It's just trying to uh, trying to provide good content and and uh, make sure that, that the quality's up there too, to where it's uh, pleasurable to listen to. I mean, think about think about some of the people we've had on on this on this podcast. I mean, Ron Hawk, um, you know, the brain trust of the big three magazines. Um, we had uh, we had Char- Charles Bender. Um, you know, I mean, go down the go down a list of people, and it's just been incredible. I mean, to think that we've you know just as something that started in you know sitting in our living rooms, you know, talking on over over um, over Skype, um, we're able to get this kind of participation and bring this to you and free of charge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really feel like we're doing the uh, public radio. <laughs> I, we, you know, we're getting to that. <laughs> Fun and, drive. Here. You know, we 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 first made this appeal on uh, on on our blogs uh, yesterday, the day before. By the time we're recording this, and so far the response has been fantastic, and we've already had a lot of members uh, make very generous donations, which we really appreciate. And probably in the next episode, we'll we'll give everyone the credit that they're they're overdue, as well as anyone who gives after this this point. So. We just, we thank everyone who's done it. Um, if you haven't and you can, we really appreciate it if you would. And hopefully you won't hear us talk about bad audio, audio quality in the upcoming episodes. Yeah. We're definitely looking forward to getting rid of our audio quality problems because, you know, again, the, the, the content and stuff we're bringing you is just, you know, I, I think it's tremendous. It's just, we got to make sure that you can actually hear it and enjoy it. Right. And that's been the key. So, so again, you want to learn more about the efforts. Um, we, uh, Diami and I have both put up on our sites. Um, you know, also Jeff Morton has really stepped up to help us out um, over at his uh, website, Woodwork Guy. Um, just, you know, people are putting the word out. It's spreading around to, uh, the social media networks. It's just one of those things that, you know, we're, we're, we're just looking for a little bit of help. And, you know, it's it's one of those things we, you know, you can read more about why we're doing it. It's just, we just feel like, you know, it's it's, it's something that we, we hopefully that you think is worthwhile and you want to support. Absolutely. And let's, we're going to end the fundraising portion of the show at that point i think we are and, yeah and let's now just we'll talk about what we usually talk about i want to talk about a post and just um, say no operators are standing by but they're, they can't say because we haven't yet built the chairs so. <laughs> this is a believe it or not this blog post was in the show notes last week when we originally recorded this episode. So this is not in response to his fantastic post about our appeal to fund the recording equipment. But Jeff Morton over at woodworkguide.blogspot.com has a post that's now a a week or two old um, uh, called, I believe it sucks and that's a good thing. (laughs) 
And it's about him attaching a plywood closure to the back of his car, uh, contractor saw. And that what really piqued my interest about this was, well, a couple things. I have a contractor saw. I have done a, bu- a bunch to dust management on it. My intention was always to box around the motor, and I've never gotten around to that, do that. So the back of mine is still wide open. Um, and I've seen other designs where the back goes on, and what that means is that you have to pop the back off every time you bevel the, the blade, which isn't really all that hard, but struck me as work. But what Jeff did, I've, this is the first time I've seen it. I don't know if he came up with the idea, but he attached the back with magnets so that it's really easy to pop the back on and off. And it does apparently a tremendous job at help keeping the dust contained within the saw. So uh, if you check out woodworkguy.blogspot.com or you can check the link in the show notes, you'll see his post about a, about a number of things. But that post about the closing of the back of his contractor saw, I thought was pretty interesting. You know, the, the thing about the contractor saws, you know, they've been such a gateway saw for, for people who want to get into woodworking. It's a, it's not the the expense and also the rewiring that a cabinet saw primarily requires. Um, but it's definitely not a, a toy, you know, little benchtop saw where you're, 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 you're just plugging in. It sounds like a, uh, sounds like a, uh, a circular saw just flipped upside down. Um, right. these, these cabinets, uh, these contractor saws are really been solid performers throughout the years. And, um, the one knock is just, you know, before people started to actually think about dust collection, the dust just fell everywhere and still does on my saw. I can, I'm actually sitting in my shop right now looking at the fact that I have the vacuum again. Um, but, well, you know, just, just building a simple dust collector and, uh, dust catcher at the bottom of the saw has helped reduce the amount of sawdust that comes out. I still, I still would like to be able to, pl- uh, to, uh, close off more of that, uh, back so I don't have as much of a problem. I think that's, uh, that's still the answer. I, I think you ought to look at this because the, the simple back he made, um, it, it can't take more than an hour or two to do the whole thing between notching a piece of plywood to fit around the belts and then attaching a couple of magnets, um, I, I, I may very well do it, even though I do ultimately want to box around the motor and make a little outfeed table built onto it. Mm-hmm. I think this might just be too quick and simple and effective to not do right away. And it'll just mean that it takes me that many more years to box out the motor. But, <laughs> um, you know, I don't see why you can't do this in, the, in an afternoon or less and then just make a tremendous jump in the efficiency of the dust collection. Yeah, I mean, and that's, and that's, I think that's all we're looking for is just to try to get that, uh, try to get that dust collection addressed. And, you know, it, it's, it, I mean, like I said, my saw about a decade ago and, um, that thing's still chugging along. I probably need to change the belt. I think after 10 years, it's, it's time to treat it to a new belt. But have uh, you tried the link belt? You know, that, that may be the next thing I'd go for is actually picking up a link belt. They're fantastic. Really? They really are. I've heard a lot of good things about them. I'm just thinking it's the kind of thing where, you know, maybe it's time to replace and actually upgrade a little bit to a link belt. So we'll have to see. It'll be, it'll be you, something what, to look what's the improvement on going to the link belt just for? Um, I'll be honest. I have used nothing but link belts in my machines for the last decade. So mm-hmm. I, for, other than habit, I have forgotten. But my recollection is that because they're the links, the wheel on the motor and the wheel on the uh, on the blade don't need to be in perfect alignment, and yeah, it can yeah. accommodate a lot more slop. I think they're also quieter and less vibration, that, something to that effect. But that, that's what I, I've heard. I've heard that you know, somebody said take the belt off your saw, the the V belt, mm-hmm. and then turn the motor on. It's see how quiet it is, mm-hmm. and then hook it back up, and then turn it on again. You hear a lot more vibration, a right. lot more noise. And they said that if you if you compare that to a link belt, that actually reduces the amount of sound um, and and vibration that you see in your saw. So I mean, it may be the next thing I do. Yeah, I have them in my table saw, my joiner, and my drill press, um, and they 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 work great. And like I said, the 
the biggest it, reason I found is you don't have to go crazy on that alignment, and they right. they still grip fine. So there we are. It's salt. Yeah. It's 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 motor maintenance one hundred and one. <laughs> motor maintenance. Get to get the get the power from the motor to the tool. That's right. You got it. Hey, uh, uh, other uh, that fine woodworking week. Uh, the 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 uh, live coverage you guys had, by the way, yeah. some really interesting stuff. Yeah, on that, there. that was great. That that was a lot of fun. I mean, the the whole uh, the whole weekend was just a great weekend. And uh, if if you haven't had a chance to uh, to listen to, you can go to episode thirty seven. Uh, we we actually uh, Diami and I were were up there and we recorded. Uh, a live episode. Uh, we had Matt Kinney on, which is just, you know, really great. We enjoyed having Matt on just a, a lot of knowledge and, and he's actually one of the, the, uh, speakers and, um, teachers, I guess you could say up there at the, uh, at the event. And, um, he's also a senior editor at the magazine. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was great. We, we got a chance, um, a couple of us to, to be on the shop talk live, um, of fine woodworking on, on one of their episodes, uh, right before we recorded this. Uh, the episode number thirty-seven. So um, it's just it, if you haven't had a chance to go to one of these events, it's just really cool. Uh, whether you're going to find woodworking live, whether you're going to woodwork in America, or just any number of these there now, it just it's a it's a good chance to get out there and immerse yourself in woodworking for uh, for a couple of days and just kind of revitalize your your energy and and make you want to get back in the shop and and get to doing stuff and and you pick up just a wealth of knowledge from all these these uh, these speakers at the the events. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that Wood's already starting to talk about their next wood, uh, weekend with Wood uh, right. weekend in, uh, in, mm-hmm. in May, so that's coming up too. So, yep. so look for look for yeah. it in May, August, and uh, in October with Woodwork in America, which is coming up about a month from now. That's right, yeah, about a month from now. Yeah. So we need to get this mobile recording rig soon so we can bring <laughs> it with us. <laughs> um, but if, if anybody hasn't gone to these events, what what Chris was saying about you know they pick so much stuff up is absolutely true, but. What it really does is give you a a huge boost in enthusiasm. Right. Because from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed, you're just hanging out with other woodworkers at the hotel, in the classes, at the bar. There's just, it's all woodworking from the minute you arrive to the minute you leave to go home. And that's what really makes them such special events. And, you know, the, like you said, building the enthusiasm, I mean, the best thing is it just becomes so infectious. You're there with people mm-hmm. from around the country. I mean, you know, Matt Gradwall, uh, from Seattle and I are from, I'm from Tampa and we you know we'd never have a chance to meet any other way except through one of these events. And when we get together, it's, it's, it's so loud. It's so damn it's loud. It's scary. <laughs> it's frightening. Um, but, but what happens is, I mean, it's a chance for people who just are across the country to actually meet in person. If you, if you get a chance to go to one of them, I mean, or any of them really, I mean, it, it's just such a great opportunity to get out, to meet people, to, um, to, to build that enthusiasm. You go back to your shop loaded with like great ideas about what you want to do. And the people you meet who are the instructors are just outstanding. I still remember Diami that first year we, uh, with the year we're up in uh, Valley Forge for yeah. Woodworking America. And I met Toshio Date and talk about a moment that sticks with me. That was, that was five years ago now. And it's right. a moment that still sticks with me. And every time I pick up a Japanese tool, I think about what Toshio had to say about it. And it's just, it's just such a, such a, a, a moment to capture that. You think to yourself, wow, well, that, that's just, that's just what it's all about. To be there, to be in the presence of that person, just learn so much. To get back to what you were saying about meeting people who you wouldn't have a chance to meet beyond the instructors who, 
universally are open and accepting and willing to talk to you and, and even come out with us sometimes. The, the guys, it's, it's amazing to meet these legends of woodworking and see how open they are at all the conventions. But also just the other woodworkers you get to meet in person for the first and maybe only time. The way I always describe my first woodworking in America was that it was like when I get together with my friends from college because I only see these guys now, you know, every couple of years, if we're lucky, we all have families now, we live in different parts of the country. But when we get together, we instantly pick it right up and we're all the best of friends again. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it was sitting down with, you know, the within arriving at in Cincinnati for the first one in Cincinnati, you know, I, I met Ian McKay in the in the hotel. We walked over to the convention center together. We hooked up with, with Carrie and um, Steve Taylor and a half dozen people who I had real relationships with online first time we all met and it, you instantly knew who each other were. And it was just, it was a great, great experience. And if you haven't gone, you just for that, you need to go. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an investment in time and it's an investment in travel for many of us, but, but I mean, you know, I mean, there are just draw a circle around some of these places that the, you know, Connecticut and Des Moines and in uh, Cincinnati, and there's a lot of people who are very close drive. Um, you yeah, know, you're not talking about, you know, you know, a, a flight now for me, you know, when I sit deep in the southeast and Chris, too, um, you know, it's 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 a bit of a haul. But, you know, it's not it's not terrible. I mean, you know, if you live near a busy airport, there's usually you know multiple flights a day going to some of these places. Yeah. Right. And the flights, at least uh, I've found the flights to not be overbearing. I just this is the first year I've booked a flight to Cincinnati. I have typically driven. But after taking 16 hours to drive home last year, I decided I was going to fly this year. <laughs> it's a good plan. And, the flight was a little over $300. It was, you know, it's it's a little over $300. So it's not pocket change, but in the scheme of things, it's it's one of the cheaper components of the trip. It's less than the hotel. Um and it it's not unreasonable, I don't think, you know, compared to what flights can be. It's uh yeah, it's, it's, it's it, not that bad. It's well know, for, worth for me, for me it's it's a, it's an event that I look forward to. It's the yep. event that I'm going to treat myself to. And, you know, I, I work overtime at work to make sure I've got enough money to go do this. And it's the kind of thing where it's like, you know, I'll, I'll ask for birthday money for it. You know, it'll be the kind of thing where I get all that together. And then it's like, okay, um, it's worth it. It's just something that, you know, I want to, I want to see you guys. I want to see the people who are out there. I want to see people from like five years ago go, Tom, you know, and they recognize me. Oh, I've read that on your blog. It's kind of cool. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. And sp- actually speaking of seeing us guys. Is this going to be the first time you and Chris have met, or have you met already? Chris and I have not yet met in person. Who's wow. Tom? <laughs> Who's Chris? <laughs> we had an opportunity. I was at a hurricane conference in Atlanta one year, and Chris offered to come over, but I thought he was like a stalker. He, so I wasn't about to. <laughs> he, he blew me off. So when we get to uh, Cincinnati this year, uh, Don, Yami, you're going to have to just help us manage this because I'm going to like, you just got to warn me, hey, Tom's coming. And then I'll like yeah. run around the corner and hide. Well, I'm pretty sure last time Tom came up to to Philly, he didn't even tell me, and I can drive to Philly in less than less than like two and a half yeah, I was hours. On the fam- I was on the family vacation. Okay, I was on the family yeah, vacation. That and all the pictures of the dinners with woodworkers you took while you were there. <laughs> well, there <was> that. <laughs> <laughs> so we may have to hide from Tom, but oh, that's really. <laughs> well, now that we have the awkward now coming down the hall. Well, now that we've had the awkward moment yeah. on our show. <laughs> Yeah, now that we all know how we feel about each other. Yeah, there we go. So I'm thinking it's about time we wrap this up. Um, okay, uh, let me see what we've got. Uh, next broadcast topic, we may have our guest on again. Uh, we may not. 
Um, but hey, we'll, 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 we'll take it as it comes, right? That's right. Absolutely. And Chris, can you do, do us the honor of pronouncing his name that I'm going to screw up based on the way it's spelled? Uh, yes, it's Christian Coda. Christian Coda is our uh, next guest. And he's, uh, he's actually one of our uh, Atlanta guys and, uh, he's been with us here for pretty much, um, most of the time. So, um, yeah, we're actually going to have him to come on and talk about the, uh, the Rubo, uh, bench build that, that he yeah, did. Yeah. Let's, let's just say it involves, it involves a little bit of history with the Palace of Versailles. That's right. <laughs> so, so it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, and again, that just about wraps it up for the show. So if you're missing us already, and who wouldn't, um, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Just search for the Modern Rotary Association. Once you're subscribed, you'll be sure to never miss an exciting episode. While you're at iTunes, please be sure to leave us a five-star rating. If you don't like the audio quality, maybe you should come to the site and, you know, talk to our operators who are standing by. It just is it rude to-, to say to put your money where your mouth is if you're complaining about our audio? You said it. There we go. <laughs> Um, it helps out our rank so others can more easily find us. Diami? Yeah, yes. yes. And if you want to find us, excuse me, you, you be sure to visit the modern woodworkers association.com. You could follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national. You could like the MWA on Facebook, where if you go there today, you'll see a lot of posts about the great support we've gotten from our members. You could circle the Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. And while you're there, join the MWA Google Plus community for project sharing, discussion, and loads of woodworking banter. It's a fairly vibrant community. Fairly. Fairly. And so that wraps us up. So until next time, I am Chris Adkins of High Rock Woodworking and .com. And you can also find me on Twitter at HighRockWW and, I don't know, just a slew of other places. Atlanta. Atlanta. Yes, you can. And I, I'm Diami Plotke of com. I am on Twitter at Diami Plotke, D-Y-A-M-I-P-L-O-T-K-E. And if you should happen to come the first weekend in November, you'll find me in Atlanta also. Gosh, who knew that would happen? And I'm resident shop monkey, Tom Iavino of Tom'sWorkbench.com. And I'm at Tom's Workbench on Twitter. We wish you all happy sawdust. Thanks for listening. <laughs>